Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Let us reclaim Young Street. Toronto's strong, powerful words of strength and peace to add a vigil where thousands have been remembering the victims of Monday's deadly van attack. Scared. Like, it's like everything around here is falling apart. The latest on the growing threat of flood and landslides across parts of BC. I think it's ridiculous. And another record high, the pain drivers in Metro Vancouver are facing at the gas pump. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. It could have been us, like we walk this street every single day. So it could have been any of us. Thousands of people attending a vigil in Toronto tonight, remembering all those lives lost in the brutal van attack earlier this week. Ten people were killed, 16 others left injured. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. An extremely powerful and poignant vigil in Toronto that ended just a short time ago. It was an interfaith service with thousands attending to make sense of what happened on Monday. Global's Camille Caramilli reports from Mel Lastman Square in Toronto. Ten victims, many of them Toronto's very own, being remembered here today by the thousands of people that have shown up to this vigil. Uh, that includes uh, politicians, celebrities, and everyday Torontonians who are here today to grieve all together as one for the ten people who lost their lives in this tragic incident. There are people of different backgrounds, of different religions, uh, all together here praying uh, as one, praying for love, praying for peace, and and uh, just coming together to pay their respects to the deceased. Uh, we know that Mayor John Tory, Premier Kathleen Wynne, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau are also in attendance here today. And there are people here that I've seen, strangers who have never met before today, who are crying, who are hugging, who are uh, publicly displaying these uh, emotions and acts of affection. Uh, there are bouquets of flowers being put down. There are uh, messages of hope and peace being written here. Uh, I personally myself have never seen uh, this amount of unity here in this city myself. Now, uh, there are also uh, two major memorials here along Yonge Street, one in the far north uh, at Olive Square when the van attack where the van attack first started and uh, there's also a second memorial down here at Mel Lastman Square uh, where the van attack uh, started coming to a close and that's where this vigil is taking place. There are three big screens here so that the uh, 25,000 people that are supposed to be in attendance can see what's going on, can see some of the um, acts of prayer and uh, some of the speeches that are uh, happening. Also, uh, there are uh, some people who are here from 
out of town, out of, outside of the GTA that felt like they had to come and pay their respects, even though they don't have a direct connection to the events itself. But there are also some people who are here who have a very close connection and a personal story to the van attack itself. One person I spoke to uh, said he was able to just get out of the van's way just in the nick of time. Have a listen. If I was wearing headphones or if you know, I was distracted, I probably would have gotten hit. So I was relatively close, um, but I was able to run out, the, out of the way. I'm lucky to be alive, right? So I don't know why it wasn't me, but it's funny because my lunch is usually at 1.15 and I ended up taking it at 1.16. That one minute could have been the difference. This vigil is to remember the 10 people killed and 16 injured in the horrific events that took place on Monday, but it's also to praise the heroes that stepped forward that day, the firefighters, the police officers, and the paramedics who did what they could. They will be honored here today as well. Back to you. Thank you very much for that. We will have more from the vigil a little later on in the newscast. Let's turn our attention to local news right now, though. Four people recovering this weekend after they were all randomly attacked on Vancouver's downtown east side on Friday night. Our Jill Bennett has been speaking to one of the victims about what happened. Yeah, within, it only happened within a few seconds. And it can, change, it can flip your whole life over. Gary Olver was picking up snacks to head home and watch a movie with his spouse Friday evening when a man with an X-Acto knife attacked him. I put my, my hand down and I turned around and he came and he lunged and got me again. Olver was slashed twice on the neck, a moment he says he will never forget. He walked up, uh, slashed me and then looked at me. I just said, what's your problem? And that's when he laughed. He says the man took off running through a yard as his spouse called 911. Ten minutes later, there was another attack a few blocks away and then another. A woman in her 80s was slashed near Jackson and Union Street. Police say just before 9 p.m., the final slashing occurred at Kiefer and Gore. A man was cut in the face as he fought with the attacker. It's, it's traumatic. It, it, it's... um. It makes you think. As police scoured the area, Oliver made his way to the Union Gospel Mission for help. Our staff were able to jump in and help, um, but obviously uh, this is tough and we've got to band together to support the victims here. And in my experience, um, people in our community are usually the victims in this type of incident, not the perpetrators. I'm glad that they caught him. I think the rea reaction time could have been done much faster. You know, there would have probably been less victims. Police say a suspect was arrested less than five minutes after the fourth attack. A 24-year-old Vancouver man is scheduled to be in court Monday, facing four counts of aggravated assault. Jill Bennett, Global News. A man has been left seriously hurt after an early morning stabbing. Habitsford police now looking for witnesses. Just after 4.30 this morning, a passerby calling 911 after noticing a man slumped outside of his vehicle in a driveway in the 2200 block of Clearbrook Road. Firefighters and paramedics were first on scene. The victim was taken to hospital. Police say the 38-year-old man was suffering from stab wounds. He remains in a serious condition. Major crime detectives now continuing to investigate what happened. The Abbotsford Police is appealing to any witnesses or people that may have information and they can contact the Abbotsford Police at 604-859-5225 or if they wish to report anonymously they can call 1-800-222-TIPS or solvecrime.ca. 
Two women riding a mobility scooter are in hospital after being hit by a vehicle early this morning. Alcohol may have played a part in this crash. The collision happened on Fraser Highway in Surrey just before 1.30 a.m. The driver allegedly did not stop after the crash, but was tracked down later by RCMP officers nearby. Both women were taken to hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. So far, it isn't known if the driver is set to face any charges. To bring you an update now on the growing threat of floods and landslides across parts of B.C., beginning in Tulamine near Princeton. An evacuation order has been issued today for people living at 148 properties. District officials are saying water from Otter Lake and the Tulamine River is rising quickly because of the melting snowpack. There is a creek that runs through the town connecting the lake and the river. It is overspilling its banks. Evacuees are being asked to register at the Riverside Community center in Princeton. Right now we have uh, amazingly high snowpack. Uh, we are at 150, 150% snowpack and 120% is actually deemed to be an emergency. So we're, we're well above that. Uh, we're seeing the hot weather we had over the last couple of days affect the, uh, the, the rising rivers and the watercourses in the area. Otter Lake is immediately north of the Tulane area seeing water moving into that lake, and we're very concerned that that water might come through and raise that lake level much higher. It connects through town through a small creek directly into Tulamine River, and if it does crest and come over there, we are concerned for people's safety, uh, whether they can get out of the properties or whether it affects them in their homes. And in the small ranching and logging community of Nazco, this is near Quinell, the local river is flooding a small number of, uh, of a number of small rural properties. There is an evacuation order that's been issued here for about 46 properties and the local First Nations. We're definitely monitoring the situation uh, quite closely and our areas of most concern are up in the Nazco area and they are reporting that we will expect to see some rise in the waters out there. So we're definitely keeping a close eye on and um, I wouldn't be surprised if we had more evacuation alerts or orders coming. But uh, at this point, um, we don't have any more. Uh, we're just working on working with the community of Nazco to make sure they are evacuated safely and are able to get the emergency support that they need. An update on the central Okanagan. The threat of a landslide prompting an evacuation order for up to a dozen homes in Kelowna. Jules Knox of Global Okanagan has that part of the story. A gaping hole, a power line toppled, and trees uprooted. On Saturday afternoon, a landslide sweeping down the hill in Killiney Beach. The whole bank has, has slid down, and we have homes below that. Those are the homes that are currently under evacuation. A local state of emergency has been declared, and 12 properties have been given an evacuation order in Killiney Beach. The landslide behind me stopping just short of people's homes. Officials say people in the area have found other places to stay, although some remain behind. It's always frustrating to have to evacuate residents, whether it's from flooding or fires or, or whatever the reason, you know, to, to, to put somebody out of their home. It's a huge responsibility. It's going to take out that power pole. Down the road, more concern as water starts gushing in areas that were dry. Scared. Like, it's like everything around here is falling apart. A worker rushing to the scene to unblock the culvert. Officials scrambling for solutions in a fluid situation. The water has to get to the lake, and we have to somehow figure out how we're going to facilitate that 
happening without losing <laughs> our, 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 our property uh, in between. Neighbors on edge that their property could be next. That's scary because we all live on a hill, right? I mean, we don't know if we're going to go down or not, so it's scary. Self-serve sandbags are available at various locations throughout the Okanagan, and officials are reminding residents that they're responsible for any block culverts on their property. Jules Knox, Global News, Killiney Beach. Well, a lot of people are going to be looking at the forecast, especially for the interior. So let's bring in our Yvonne Shaw with uh, what you're seeing out there. How's it looking, Yvonne? Not much of a reprieve in terms of the forecast. The concern, it'll continue to fuel the concerns for floods. We are not looking at any precipitation towards the interior. It is going to remain dry. We'll hang on to that cloud cover over the next few days. And then the return for some sunshine. A ridge of high pressure is going to build in once again. This is the upper level chart. Most areas, especially along the south coast and interior, on Wednesday onwards, and leading in towards the end of the week next week and even in towards the weekend we'll start to see that spike in temperatures and it'll be a big concern especially for the smaller waterways here's a look at some of the numbers especially leading in towards the end of the week and towards the weekend we're back into the 20s that'll be a concern for the high snowpacks the melting snow and as we look ahead towards uh, most of the week and even leading in towards the weekend of your full forecast across the province coming up very shortly sonia all right thanks very much for that yvonne back in the news the body of an Irish man has been recovered from a lake near Golden nearly 10 months after he went missing. Last June, David Gavin dove off a bridge at Kinbasket Lake Reservoir. Several searches were carried out for the 26-year-old before being stood down for the winter. Water levels dropped over the last few days. The Irish Sporting and Social Club of Vancouver said that his parents and girlfriend were at the lake this weekend when his remains were recovered. Gavin was known for being a talented Gaelic Bad news for drivers. The predictions of soaring gas prices came true this weekend. A number of stations on the Lower Mainland asking for a dollar 61.9 cents a litre. Gas analysts say we could get some relief in the next few days once some refineries south of the border start to open up again. But that is not going to help those who need to fill up right now. I think it's ridiculous. Uh... Personally, I, I don't use gas in Canada anymore. I fill up in Bellingham. I'm on my way down there right now. I got a golf membership down there. I'm down there every week. I pay uh, 3.30 a gallon. This works out to about a dollar Canadian here. Just over a dollar, dollar ten Canadian per liter. I haven't bought gas in Canada in probably four years. Welcome back. Now, we've all heard of drive-through restaurants, but in Vancouver today, there was a drive-through vaccination clinic for rabbits. Well, it's super convenient, um, and I think it really minimizes the risk of that airborne disease going around. So I'm really happy about that. It was a two-hour pop-up clinic being offered to protect rabbits from a deadly disease which spread from Vancouver Island to parts of Metro Vancouver. The vaccines became available when all the rabbits at the Richmond Animal Shelter died before they could get vaccinated. We... Unfortunately, lost all of our rabbits. They became infected with RHD at the shelter. Prior to them becoming infected, we had ordered the vaccine. So we had the intent was to vaccinate our rabbits. We didn't want the vaccine to go to waste. So we reached out to all of our adopters and foster uh, parents, and they jumped at the opportunity to vaccinate their rabbit. 
Now, these vaccinations today that are being offered, they were for free, but pet owners are being encouraged to make a donation to help rebuild the Richmond rabbit habitats, which had to be destroyed because the site was decontaminated. A controversial pilot project to limit late entry to bars on the Granville Strip could soon be scrapped. The city of Vancouver is also considering easing rules that prevents bars right now in the area from having a patio. Kristen Robinson breaks down the possible changes. Drinking and dining on the Granville Strip sidewalk can be lonely. But that could change if a plan to reconsider the entertainment district's patio party is approved. It's important because patios are a bit of a game changer and advantage for uh, a lot of the liquor primary and the restaurants. The city of Vancouver is recommending lifting a ban on bar patios along the strip and supporting applications on a case-by-case basis with input from the VPD. I think patios are a nice touch just to be able to sit outside and it's a bit more casual than being in the bar and usually inside is super loud. It's nice. You see people walking down, you know. You feel more comfortable than being inside. You feel, you feel more free, right? You're yourself, so it's better. Councillor George Affleck says making the street more pedestrian-friendly could reduce crime. Recent violence saw an innocent victim, 23-year-old Calwinder Thind, stabbed to death while trying to break up a fight outside a nightclub. We need patios. We need people on the street. We need eyeballs on the street. We need people being active on the street in a positive way and putting patios and pushing those restaurants out onto the street I think will be a very good thing for Granville Street. Another plan to stem the Granville Strip violence by limiting re-entry to clubs an hour before closing likely won't go ahead. Staff recommending the last entry pilot program be scrapped after backlash from bar owners who say that final hour is lucrative for revenue. While not everyone may be drinking after 2 a.m., patrons could soon know exactly what they're toasting. City staff recommending Vancouver become the first municipality in B.C. to require liquor-serving businesses to list the size and strength of alcoholic drinks on menus. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, it was an early morning sprint for hundreds who wanted to get their hands on some great plants in the Lower Mainland. Watch them go. Avid gardeners running to the always popular Van and plant sale after it kicked off at 10 this morning. Lineups stretching around the block for the 40th anniversary event, which offers free admission and thousands of different types of plants up for grabs until four in the afternoon. So a lot of people having fun. Uh, it's my first year and I'm kind of a plant nerd, so I'm going to go check out what's inside. I'm always looking for the interesting things, the unusual and I can usually find it here. A couple of, uh, couple of clematis or clematis. Uh, and we've got a, a very unusual uh, uh, melodendron from China, I think. I have a red, leaf, red bark uh, maple. Have you been before? Yes, every year. Why do you do that? Because it's Christmas in April. <laughs> Nice. I love myself a good plant, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Okay, we'll catch up with sport in just a second. Uh, Weather-wise, I find as long like maybe there's always a few days where they look great. And yeah. Then for some reason, I've got a bit of a poison thumb. I don't know. What no, no, much no. of a yeah. green thumb. Mm. Yeah.
Yeah, Wrong color. That. They look nice at the beginning, don't they? Yeah, and then you just got to remember to water them. It's like getting a haircut and then styling it yourself. Not the same thing. <laughs> exactly. When they blow dry, it, it's yeah, very it different. Yeah, looks great. Yeah. Good yeah. analogy. All right. <laughs> um, uh, what's happening with the weather right now for a lot of us here? Well, we have seen the cloud cover. It was much cooler this weekend. We saw the return for some wet weather. Uh, most of the showers uh, have tapered off along the south coast, but we'll still see a very slight chance uh, for this evening and overnight. Temperatures right now, look at our current numbers. We're sitting at 11 out of the airport, similar for Victoria, 12 for areas near Kamloops, Prince Rupert at 9, and the Peace at 8 degrees. There is a warm-up on the way, the return for some sunshine across many areas. Most of the province will benefit from it. However, the concern, of course, will be for the interior sections. I'll have more on that, the timing of it, the beginning of your work week forecast, and uh, when we'll start to see those summer-like temperatures again. All right, and in sport. Well, cool. A lot of uh, NHL action going on. Uh, Checking in with the Jets and Predators. That game's back and forth. Fantastic series. And also, the Raptors know who they will get in round two of the NBA playoffs. A familiar guy, LeBron James, Cleveland uh, Cavaliers, who will have highlights of their Game 7 win as well. Returning to our top story now, the Toronto Strong Vigil for the victims of Monday's van attack. Ten people were killed when a rental van was deliberately driven into pedestrians on a sidewalk. The attack, so shocking and hateful, thousands today felt compelled to attend tonight's service. Paul Johnson reports. The Prime Minister and Governor General walking Toronto's Young Street today. If Toronto is Canada's principal city, Young Street is its spine. Last week's attack couldn't have struck a more central part of that city. For we have come believing that standing together, united in grief, is a defiant act of hope and healing in the face of evil. And like the great multicultural city it is, Sunday night's vigil at Mel Lastman Square drew religious leaders from many faiths. Muslims, Jews, Christians and Buddhists. Faith is how many will help understand this tragedy and to heal from it. We ask ourselves, how could this have happened? And we ask God, how could you let this happen? We are like one body. If anyone or any part of the body or any individual in our group and our communities feel pain, we all feel the same pain. Though Prime Minister Trudeau, Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne and Mayor John Tory were in attendance and sitting together, none of them spoke. This event was above and beyond politics. It was about the voices of a grieving city. We must remember these killings and the carnage, but we must also turn to life and toward each other. Let us reclaim Young Street. Amazing grace. Almost a week out from Monday's rampage, we know a lot about the 10 victims and their stories. We know less about the attacker's reasons and may never be able to make sense of them. But tonight's vigil established one thing that is certain. Over time, even an act of spectacular evil will be no match for a city that comes together, loves, and takes care of its own. Paul Johnson, Global News. 
In other news tonight, lawyers for the city of Seattle are making a historic request. They are asking the courts to throw out hundreds of misdemeanor marijuana convictions. The city's attorney's office filing the motion on Friday. There's 542 cases. They date back to before Washington state legalized recreational pots. That was back in 2012. Now, possessing a small amount of the drug isn't illegal anymore. The city says that those still dealing with the consequences of earlier convictions deserve some relief. City officials saying that the earlier law unfairly targeted people of color. While we cannot reverse all the harm that was done, we can give back to those people a record that says they were not convicted. We have to have more effective means for treating people. We also have to have alternatives to incarceration. One of the country's most notorious sex offenders, Carl Toft, has died in Edmonton. According to a close friend, Toft died of lung cancer yesterday. He served 13 years in prison after pleading guilty in 1992 to 34 charges relating to the abuse of boys at a school near Fredericton. He later admitted to assaulting 200 boys over a 35-year period. Toft moved to Edmonton after his release from prison. He stayed in the city after he was allowed to move out of a halfway house back in 2005. A caravan of migrants have been on the move from Central America to the U.S. Many of them are children, their journey the focus of international media right now. The U.S. president has been warning that they will not be allowed to enter the U.S., but more than 100 migrants are putting that statement to the test. They're preparing to apply for asylum. Nine-year-old Angel, wearing a red, white, and blue beanie, sees this as he watches a crowd. Signs that say he, his family, and hundreds of others are welcome in the United States. There are brothers and sisters. There shouldn't be a wall between us. But those people are free on the other side of the fence, safe from the dangers of everyday life in much of Central America. Catherine and her one-year-old daughter Ashley, now sick with a fever, are waiting to turn themselves in at the port of entry. She says gangs in Honduras have threatened to kidnap her baby and kill her and she can't go back. She says that today, today is still the plan. They are going to try to come in today. Last night, President Trump talked again about the caravan at a rally in Michigan. Are you watching that mess that's going on right now with the caravan coming up? Are you watching this? And our laws are so weak. They're so pathetic. ICE and Border Patrol officials tell us they will respect all legitimate pleas for asylum under the law, but may prosecute American lawyers and volunteers if found to have coached immigrants on what to say. There's nothing wrong with preparing for a legal proceeding. That's what we do in the United States. We prepare our clients for court, and that's the exact same thing we're doing here. Now, what started as a caravan of more than a 1,000 is down to just about a 100, all of them hoping to find refuge on the other side of the bridge. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, an officer in Texas getting more than he bargained for when he stopped to help a driver involved in a crash. Let's show you what happened. A video from a dash cam on the patrol car showing uh, the police responding after a vehicle hit a cow on a rural road in a county near Houston. But when the officer stepped out, the cow then charges him, chases him around the vehicle. Uh, the vehicle, neither the deputy or the cow, we are pleased to report, were hurt in what happened. 
<laughs> See, anything goes. Yvonne, I'll throw it over to you very safely without making any jokes. Yeah, it's a great video and I'm glad no one's hurt. Okay, <laughs> on to the forecast and what we're anticipating. It was much cooler, wetter this weekend. Uh, there is a change on the way with the return for some sunshine. Temperatures will be on the rise once again and the concern will be for the interior uh, with the risk of fl flooding. Here's what we are seeing, though, across the south coast overlooking English Bay this evening. Cloud cover. This will be a similar weather picture for tomorrow. 11 degrees with a light southwesterly wind at 7 kilometers per hour. Our high today was closer to 13, close to the average of 14 degrees, and a record of 24 degrees was set back in 1976. 19 as the high today for areas near Soyuz, 15 for Trail. Williams Lake today climbed up to 13 degrees, Prince Rupert at 10, Victoria 12, and Tofino at 11 degrees. We do still have some shower activity across the southern half of the island. It will continue for tomorrow. It's the northern and central regions that will see more breaks throughout the day and a clearing on the way. Interior sections will see that cloud cover, not much in terms of precipitation, but the heat is on with the return for some warm weather and drier conditions. So across the island, it's really the southern sections for tomorrow that will see that chance of showers. South coast, uh, we'll see cloud cover and stretching in towards the Fraser Valley and eastern sections, still hanging on to a chance of showers throughout your Monday and then much drier again on our Tuesday. Here's what we are looking at for the piece tomorrow, a chance of showers. The winds are going to ramp up westerly with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. Tuesday, plenty of sunshine and a drop in temperatures on your Wednesday with only a high of 7. White horse dry tomorrow, gusty winds up to 40 kilometers, dry on Tuesday, but the potential is there overnight and the early morning hours on Wednesday where we could see some flurries or a chance of showers and then a clearing by the evening. Coastal sections tomorrow will remain dry. Push of moisture and rain by your Tuesday evening. Clearing out once again on your Wednesday quite quick. Caribou and Central Interior tomorrow with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. A dry day. Rain by your Tuesday evening and then a clearing by your Wednesday evening as well. Columbia and Kootenai region. Dry conditions over the next two days. Temperatures do start to warm up. Midweek on Wednesday up to 20. The Thompson Okanagan mainly cloudy sky will remain dry. Wednesday will start to see that increase in temperature and Thursday, Friday for the interior and leading into the weekend with temperatures into the low 20s. Whistler up to 12 degrees hot underneath cloud cover tomorrow, brightening up once again Tuesday, Wednesday. Across the island, it's the northern and central sections that will see a nice clearing on the way. It'll be as early as the morning hours. Southern sections, however, will hang on to that cloud cover, showers, Tuesday, Wednesday, back into some sunshine, and Wednesday for Victoria up to 17. We're at 15 degrees tomorrow. It'll be a dry start for the beginning of our work week, back to work and back to school. Tuesday onwards and leading in towards the week, we'll start to see those temperatures bumping up and more sunshine on the way. Sonia? All right, Yvonne, thanks very much for that. A significant announcement from car giant Ford earlier this week. It's shifting gears, saying that it is going to phase out most cars it sells in North America. Get the feel of V8 performance. It is an American institution. Mustang. The Ford Motor Company. Responsible for the groundbreaking Model T. And yes, even that famous flop, the Edsel. Now, more than a century after its vehicle started rolling off the assembly line, Ford announced this week it's phasing out production of most of its traditional cars in North America. Andrew Holbrook says he'll have a tough time saying goodbye to his Ford Fusion. It's kind of weird because I love the car, so the fact they're getting rid of it, I was kind of shocked when I saw that. Nostalgia aside, now bigger is apparently better. 
One analyst estimates that by 2022, almost 73% of sales in the U.S. will be utility vehicles. You don't see too many Ford cars out on the road these days, mostly trucks and, and SUVs. So Ford is keeping only the iconic Mustang and a new Focus crossover and ramping up production of larger vehicles that dealers say are really driving business. People are buying more trucks and SUVs today than they're buying cars. Why? Because the SUV is a little more versatile. Also fueling the changes, low gas prices the past few years and a stronger economy. Another reason, the rise in rideshare services like Uber and Lyft. Eric Howard is a Lyft driver in Atlanta. If you need to go to the grocery store, most people take a Lyft. If they want to go to the club with their friends or, you know, out to a game. Yeah, you don't want to bother with parking. Pay $40 to park at a Falcons game. Who wants to do that when you can take a $10 ride? Ford says the changes won't impact any American jobs. A Chicago plant that makes the tourists will now make more SUVs like the Explorer. So long sedans as the U.S. auto industry shifts gears. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News, Atlanta. All right, welcome back. Uh, it's over to you with all the sports yes, today. Yes, lots of very exciting playoff hockey going on right now. Thanks, Sonia. Winnipeg Jets were, were outshot by a wide margin in Game 1 against Nashville, but it was the Jets who won the game 4-1. Winnipeg doesn't need a lot of shots to score goals with Lion A, Wheeler, Shifley, Ehlers, Stashney, and rookie Kyle Connor, who quietly scored 31 this year. The Jets have as much firepower as anyone. Tonight, they were looking to go two up with another win in Music City. And Predators pulling out all the stops. Carrie Underwood, wife of, uh, wife of Mike Fisher, singing the Star Spangled Banner. And holy catfish, those are members of the Tennessee Titans offensive line drinking the beer off that slimy catfish. And it worked early. Opening shift, Ryan Johansson, Port Moody boy, sniping it past Connor Hellebuck, and that made it. One nothing Nashville, but the Jets answer. Good play by Mark Shifley to keep it in. Dustin Bufflin, oh, that's a bad one. Five hole on Pekka Rinne, ties it up 1-1. And then just 29 seconds later on the power play, Line A hammers it wide, but Paul Stashney, quick hands to get it out front to Shifley, who scores his third of the series, seventh of the playoffs, 2-1 Jets. Moments later, Line A picks off the pass, fires it off the post. You can hear it in Winnipeg. That's how loud it was. The yeah, Rene really scuffling right now. Lucky it wasn't 3-1. But the Preds did tie it up on a power play. P.K. Subban steps into one. Posting in, ties it up at two. And then late second, puck gets past the Winnipeg D. Victor Arvidsson with the blast from the right wing. 3-2 Preds after two. But the Jets keep on coming. Brandon Tanev, Chris's brother, scores there to tie it up 3-3. But just 34 seconds after that, Ryan Johansson, what a move this is around Toby Enstrom, and then roofs it on Hellebuck. Great goal, second of the game for Johansson, 4-3. The Jets, though, kept charging back. Lion A with the shot, fought off by Rene, and just moments ago, Shifley tied it. So they're going to overtime in Game 2 in Nashville. Meanwhile, Game 2, Penguins and Capitals. Pittsburgh without Evgeny Malkin again. And the Caps get off to a quick start like they did in Game 1. It's Alex Ovechkin. Look at that quick release. Beating Matt Murray high glove. 1-0 Caps. And then later in the first, Jacob Verana 
will score here to make it 2-0. Now, the Pens challenged for goalie interference. You'll see that Brett Connolly clearly whacks Murray's pad there, but the ruling was it didn't affect Murray's ability to reset for the shot, so it's a good goal. 2-0 caps after one. Early second, Connolly. That's a legit play there for sure. Scores on the breakaway, squeezes it through Murray. 3-0 caps, but the Pens get one back. And this is a big skill these days, getting it through that traffic. Chris Letang somehow gets it through the gauntlet of bodies. 3-1 after two. Third period, Penn's carrying the play. They appear to have made it 3-2. Sidney Crosby setting up Patrick Hornquist, but did it cross the line? Very close. Was it all the way across the line on this extreme close-up? It looks like there's a little white in between the puck and the goal line, but they say there wasn't enough evidence. No goal. Caps win 4-1. Series tied at one. Game three in Pittsburgh Tuesday night. The Toronto Raptors will have to get through LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in round two if they are to keep their dream alive of winning an NBA championship this season. LeBron and the Cavs were pushed to the maximum seven games by a scrappy Indiana Pacers team in round one, and it took another superhuman effort by LeBron today in Cleveland to push the Cavs into the second round. Pacers made LeBron work the entire series, which could pay off for the Raptors in the next couple of weeks. LeBron played the entire first half, and he was pretty much unstoppable. Hits the jumper at the end of the first, 31-19 Cleveland. LeBron also got some help today from Canadian Tristan Thompson that barely played in this series up until today, but he was a force. 15 points, 10 rebounds. LeBron so determined, follows his own miss, draws the foul. 26 points in the first half alone for LeBron. Cavs by 11, but like they have the entire series, Pacers roared back. Victor Oladipo with the three-pointer, tied it at 64. Fourth quarter, Cavs pull away again, and it's more from the supporting cast. Kevin Love hits a big three. Pacers did cut it to four late, but Kyle Korver, great feed to a cutting LeBron. 45 points for King James, 105-101 the final. Cavs take game seven. It was a struggle. Now they visit the Raptors for game one Tuesday night in Toronto. Welcome back. As uh, we all know, getting drafted doesn't necessarily mean you'll have success in your sport. We've seen a lot of players go undrafted and have very good careers, and that's the hope for UBC offensive lineman Dakota Shepley. He has signed a free agent deal with the New York Jets after going undrafted this past week. Shepley helped UBC win the Vanier Cup in 2015, and he was a Canada West All-Star last season. Shepley is from Windsor, Ontario. Let's go to Ontario now. Rogers Center, Jays and Rangers. Toronto looking to snap a four game losing streak bottom of the second Jan Jervis Solarte with a solo homer as team leading seventh ties it at one then in the third more long ball to Oscar Hernandez taking that one to right solo shot his fourth and it's 3-1 then in the fourth the home run derby continues Kevin Pillar with a solo homer he's got three this weekend against the Rangers four overall this season 4-1 Jays and Jay Happ gave a weary bullpen a big break today. Seven strong innings, nine strikeouts. Jays take it 7-2. They start a series in Minnesota tomorrow. English Premiership, final visit to Old Trafford for Arsene Wenger. Sir Alex Ferguson gave him, a, gave him a glass vase prior to the match to mark the occasion. 16th minute, Paul Pogba gets uh, United on the board. Only goal of the opening half, but Arsenal equalize in the second. It's a former Manchester United man, Henrik Mkhitaryan, 
Well placed from the top of the box, ties it at one, but an added time, Ashley Young swinging cross to Marowayne Fellaini, who gets that big mop on it to head it in for the game winner. United win 2-1, that all but seals up second place with just three matches to play. Meanwhile, Man City pretty much going for the record book since they've already clinched the EPL title at West Ham today. City looking to set new marks for wins, points, and goals scored in a single season. And they get off to a good start, but of a break, Leroy Sané's ball takes a deflection, but it's his goal, 1-0 Man City, 52nd, Raheem Sterling with some... Fancy footwork sets up Gabriel Jesus to make it 3-1 City. And then Sterling will do it one more time after we take another look at the uh, Jesus goal. Gives a nice setup for Fernandino. 4-1 the final. 30th win for Man City. Ties them with Chelsea for most wins ever. Still three to play. They're up to 93 points. Just two behind the Chelsea record. And 103 goals scored also equals Chelsea's all-time record. PGA stop this week is the Zurich Classic of New York. It's a rare team event. Today, alternate shot and the best pairing this week, Billy Horschel and Scott Piercy. Tenth hole, Horschel. Brilliant approach from 148, led to a birdie. And then on 11, Horschel again doing the heavy lifting from the bunker to just a foot and a half. Piercy would tap that in for birdie and Horschel and Piercy finish at 22 under. A one-shot win over Duffner and Pat Perez. Canadian David Hearn and his partner, Irishman Seamus Power, finished 10th. LPGA Tour is in San Francisco for the Medihill Championship. Lydia Ko, who was so dominant as a teenager, has had her struggles the past 18 months or so, but in the hunt this week and chips in for birdie at 13th. That tied her for the lead. Minji Lee birdied 18, so Ko also birdied 18, so they would go to a playoff. And they played 18 again on the playoff. This is the second shot for Ko from 234 yards. It looks good. It looks very good. Not quite for an albatross or a double eagle. She would step up and tap that in for the eagle and the winner. First win since July of 2016 and in 45 LPGA Tour events. Brooke Henderson was 45th. Meanwhile, Formula One stop is the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Red Bull teammates Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo took each other out of the race. I don't think that was on the pre-race strategy section. Team Red Bull very displeased in what they called selfish acts by both drivers. It was another win for Mercedes and Englishman Lewis Hamilton. Kimi Raikkonen was second. Canadian Lance Stroll was eighth, so he picked up four points in the driver's standings. And we can also tell you that the Canucks farm team Utica lost to Toronto 4-0 in the AHL playoffs, so Utica's out too. So all the Canucks are done. Oh, I love those giant bottles of champagne. Yeah, that's right. you gotta win the, you got to win the race, though, to get one. That's oh. just the hard part. Yeah. Oh, no, I guess you can just go buy one. We've been making kids smile since 1945, and changing our name isn't going to change that. CKNW Orphans Fund is now CKNW Kids Fund, dedicated to enhancing the health and welfare of children in BC. All right, and a lot of people reacting today today to how President Trump's press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, bore the brunt of a lot of jokes by comedian Michelle Wolf at the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner last night. I have to say, I'm a little starstruck. I love you as Aunt Lydia and the Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Mike Pence, if you haven't seen it, you would love it. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like, she burns facts 
And then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. Well, she sat through it, but several journalists defending Sanders on social media today, saying the comedian went too far when she made jokes about Sanders' appearance. Uh, one New York Times reporter calling Sanders pretty brave for not walking out uh, uh, while all of that was going on. I, I guess know. I guess with Trump not there, someone had to uh, had to take had all to the be fire on the right? receiving yeah. end. Yeah, took absolutely. one for the president there. Took a bullet for the president. Uh, yeah, um, that's all we've got time for. We are going to leave you with some images of uh, the very powerful vigil that took place just a short time ago, attracting thousands, remembering the victims of Monday's attack. Thank you for watching. Tonight, we stand together. Perhaps we come this evening with similar sentiments in our hearts. We ask ourselves, how could this have happened? I believe that by being here.